Let's shake it up a little. Welcome to the Salt and Pepper Podcast, adding a little bit of salt and a little bit of spice to make your Tuesday just right. Here's your hosts, Lisa and Olivia. Oftentimes with the Enneagram, what we're learning is what I thought I had to be my whole life and what is the standard that I'm holding everyone else to in this like over-functioning of what I'm holding myself to. Like we can ask ourselves, where am I over-functioning? Where am I using the muscle in places where it doesn't belong? And how can I show myself that I'm safe? And how can I nurture myself in such a way that I don't feel like I have to earn my my place. Welcome to the Salt and Pepper Podcast. My name is Olivia, and I'm an entrepreneur, brand builder, content creator, and to the left of me, very close to me, within touching dis- distance, is Lisa Brosser Woo! with a freckle on her nose. Oh my gosh, <laughs> leave me alone. I um, love your freckle. I'm Lisa Brosser. I'm a mom. I'm a wife. Um, I'm a proud daughter of a pigeon racer, and my current obsession is I just went to Sun River, which is like a little vacation alternate universe here in Oregon, and it was really fun. Sorry you were Glad to know you had fun without me. That's (laughs) actually so disrespectful. It's so, see, you're you're (laughs) taking it differently from how I'm saying it. (laughs) I always, I I pride myself kind of on knowing, I pretty much always know how people mean things, but I purposefully like to change the narrative. Um, You do. (laughs) Whatever. Um, My, what is, I wrote a no and I don't even know what it means. Uh, My current obsession is, I got a new uh, external hard drive and it's called uh, S- uh, an extreme SSD terabyte hard drive and it's really small. That's nerdy. Um, your current obsession it's was expensive. never your hair. It's expensive. And I'm excited that my stuff will be safe. You're welcome, brides. I'm filming your wedding. You know Their what would have been safe. expensive is your hair, but I did it. True. And it's beautiful. Thank I, you. My current obsession was almost your hair. My hair is black, everybody. It's amazing. Yes. I love it. I'm still so getting much. used to it. I love it. So but I'm much. almost so getting used to it. I'm not even having a reaction. People <laughs> yeah. people don't even notice. No, like, I knew it. One of my friends came in town and she was talking to me for 10 minutes and goes, oh my gosh, <laughs> your hair, like screams it in the coffee shop. And I was like, yeah, it's gone. And it's funny because people thought it was going to be this huge change. And I'm like, no, it just looks natural. Yeah. But it, the grays are just gone. That's the thing. Yeah. It just looks so good. It looks yeah. so good. Because it just looks like your my hair. hair. It is my hair. It is your hair. Um, okay, I want to talk about something really okay. quick. I'm nervous. I don't like escalators, and I feel like they shouldn't be a thing. Yeah, I guess that's true. They make me that's really weird. nervous, and it's the mm-hmm. only Was thing. Was Final Destination for you? That's the scene I've never gotten out of my mind. Ever. I've never seen that. That's actually we're having role reversals right now. I feel like that'd be me saying something like that to you about like Fast and Furious. Well, it's okay. There's like 20 of them. So. Right. Aren't they kind of like all the same like yes. big booms and fire and yep. death? Yeah. Yep. Um, escalators I don't like because I'm 
feel like I can never step onto them. And then I feel like it looks like I'm second guessing. And then I'm kind of wobbling. And I'm like, how is everyone acting like this is normal? Let's just put a staircase here. It's like another reason for everyone to be lazy. Um, I just imagined like Mr. Bean trying to get on. Or like Elf too. Or like like his like feet. No, but seriously, every time I get on an escalator, I'm like, this is so dangerous. (laughs) Why are there no seatbelts? I'm like, does anyone else think this is weird? So anyway, that's this. This should be a Disney ride. We should have seatbelts and it should go <laughs> yeah. fast and it should like tell you to keep your hands and arms inside. <laughs> anyway, um, should we get to the silver lining of the week? Yeah. OK, me first. Sure. Um, My uh, you know, the the face unlock on on our lock screens on iPhones. Mm-hmm. Um, when I smile, it doesn't recognize my face. That makes sense. Because you don't I don't smile. smile. <laughs> <laughs> I was literally ordering my coffee with like my, my, my Apple Pay. And I'm like, I, I like take off my mask really quick so I can like do it. And I put my mask back on. I'm like, yep, not going to do that again. I was like smiling yeah. and laughing. It's always the worst when it just doesn't even recognize you because you look so ugly that day. <laughs> Has that ever happened? Like when it's really low. To the or whatever. I think it's just me. <laughs> Yikes. You're like, um, <laughs> just kidding. That was a joke. Well, mine was smiling, so it's not that much worse. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um, my silver lining, which isn't a silver lining, is like I've been having really bad night terrors, like consistently, like Yikes. multiple times a week. I'm sorry. But you know what's freaky about it? Is I wake up and there's like remnants. It's like a crime scene, but I don't remember any of it. So like random clothing will be out of a drawer that I had put on. And then it's like on the ground. You're lying. No. And like I had put my sweats on, but I think I thought it was a dream. And like one time, like a couple weeks ago, I thought someone was in the house. I knew someone was in the house. I was awake. I said, I should put pants on because I don't want to not be wearing pants when someone is in the house so I get up and I put my pants on and then somehow I wake up the next day the pants are on the ground it's like weird stuff and I don't know night terrors though sometimes it is sometimes I'll wake up like remember when we went to San Francisco I thought there was a snake in the room and I woke up and I was freaking out because I genuinely thought there was a snake like on the floor yeah when I woke up remember in San Francisco when we were in the same bed and I was just like oh no and I was like woke you up this happened I don't remember that and I like apologized the next day and I was like sorry thought there was a snake on the wall whoops crazy sometimes I'll run into my mom's room scream her name and go back to bed it's I don't know but I'm fine though I still sleep are you I listen to my sleep talking thing actively talking it kind of sounds like I'm talking to somebody which is like very scary so I don't know what to do about it I'm just happy at this point I'm not like sleepwalking because I don't know what I would do. I just don't know if I'll ever um, sleep around you again. I almost said sleep with you, but that just never feels right. Why did why does sleep with you have to be I a sex have taken thing? That weird. Yeah, it would have been different if you said like hook up with me. <laughs> well, I'm never going to do that again either. <laughs> One time was enough. That was okay. Anyways, anyway, sorry, Sarah Jane. Anyway, my silver lining <laughs> is that I need to figure out what the heck is going on with me because I don't know what it is. I mean, it's not it's not that bad. It sucks for Arturo. I mean, it sucks for sucks for you, future Arturo. But it's um it's not like affecting 
distracting you. Right. Really? Yeah. And that's the so, thing. Sometimes it is like sometimes I'll wake up freaking out and then I'll go right back to sleep. And it's yeah. like, what is going on in my brain? Yeah, that is interesting. I wonder if they can do studies on I've that. looked it up and I think that, I mean, what are you going to do other than you're a goner. take NyQuil, <laughs> you know, like every night, like something that would actually knock it? you out. Whoa. Yeah. I don't sleep talk when I take NyQuil, like when I'm sick, cause I'm like really asleep. So you kind of so. like being sick. <laughs> no. So I should just take NyQuil though. Um, anyway. Okay. That was fun. So today on the show, we have Sarah Jane Case from Enneagram and Coffee. And I mean, you guys know we talk about Enneagram all the time, even with people that don't know what we're talking about, nor do they care. Um, and so to have somebody on where we can just literally talk about Enneagram, our numbers, our significant others numbers, just everything and someone was so nice and refreshing. Like, so knowledgeable. And so just like, yeah, wise knew exactly like what to say and I actually gained so much insight just alone from this hour-long conversation and my favorite part of that is the insight wasn't just um oh like I know like Enneagram numbers better it's like oh I know just like how to function and like I give people grace yeah more. like she like had done the numbers. work to research everything exactly. and like knew what to say I know how to be a better me and allow people it was like the the circle that she was talking yeah. about that that was the best takeaway from this episode mm-hmm. I think that would be a great my circle is just like bigger than other people <laughs> <laughs> it just extends out further yeah. right so I can you can everyone yeah you can put your hand in other people she told me it was fine right um so great episode um if you take proper takeaways um if you actually listen you don't just make them up like i do (laughs) she's like so this is the answer that i want can you tell me that um but yeah and she she herself is a joy too and um you yeah you can just tell like she loves what she does and she loves people Mm -hmm. and I think that's what sets her apart too yeah so great show I will link everything in the show notes below you can find her on Enneagram and Coffee and we're so excited to get get into it and I've been meaning to say this every time let's shake it up with Sarah Jane Case (laughs) okay so we are here with Sarah Jane Case, and we're so excited because, as everybody knows, we talk about Enneagram probably just too every, much. Yeah, too much. We refer to everything. Not as everything that. has to be Enneagram, but we like to do that. Yes, and you'll understand that. <laughs> um, and she is from Enneagram on co- and Coffee on Instagram. I'm sure everybody knows about it. Um, and you just you have a podcast. You have a podcast and a book and. You have everything. I know. You are everything, (laughs) Sarah Jane. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm pumped. Excited. Yeah. Um, You want to just tell um, everybody just a little bit about you and what you do? I mean, we kind of just alluded to it, but. Um, Yeah. Well, I am Sarah Jane Case, and I have a podcast, Enneagram and Coffee, and book, The Honest Enneagram. And really my specialty is helping people to make the most of their time, understanding themselves and how that orients in the world through the lens of the Enneagram. That's awesome. So how did you get, before we like dive into Enneagram, because I obviously we're going to, but like how, how, I guess, how did you, when did your love for Enneagram start and when did you decide to make it a business? Um, So at the time that I found the Enneagram, I was doing burnout prevention and recovery coaching for entrepreneurs. So people who were struggling with time management and overworking. And so in that, I found the Enneagram in my personal life and it became just all consuming. Like you said, like we don't have to make the everything about the Enneagram, but it's hard to unsee once you see it. 
especially when you're working one-on-one with people who are experiencing burnout and you're like, oh, this is happening to you because of this Enneagram thing that I'm learning about. And so in that, I just got obsessed and I, it became part of everything in my life. And I was talking about it so much that my friend was like, can you just find an outlet for this already? <laughs> Please <laughs> just a lot. Up. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and, um, I remember he and I were business partners at one point and we hosted a retreat together and I had everybody at lunch. Just, we were like all circled around and he was on the other side of the room and he yelled from the other side of the room. I will give you a hundred dollars if you're not talking about the Enneagram right now. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, we're talking about the Enneagram <laughs> because it was just like so predictable at that point. But so with that, I was like, okay, I'm going to make it, I'm going to make this Instagram account. Um, so I have a place to put this excess energy and all of the, these things that I'm interested in and to play. And it grew so quickly. It grew from zero to a hundred thousand followers in three days. It was just like, we were like watching it in real time, just like refreshing the feed. It was just like thousands of people, um, like every hour. Did one go viral or something? Like one specific post? did a series. It was like a bingo card series and it just went nuts. Like people were just sharing it like crazy. And I think it was just like a timing thing. Like I was like one of the first, maybe the, like one of the first Enneagram accounts and, um, yeah. So people just latched onto it. And also being one of the first, I mean, when I first found out about Enneagram, I was like, how could that be so true? And I think that's what is so captivating about Enneagram and your account specifically. I mean, the things, how spot on you get about literally everything and anything. It's so funny. I was actually writing some questions down for you. Yeah, my husband's a three and I'm a nine. And I was like, oh boy, do I have some three questions? And then, um, oh gosh, it was like uh, your second to last uh, podcast. And it was like, I think you sent me the compassion one. Yes, we have to talk about that. (laughs) We have to talk about (laughs) that one. And your second to last one was about... I don't know, but like giving like grace and like freedom in Enneagrams and like don't try to fix other people. And I was just like, oh no, Sarah Jane just called me out so bad. (laughs) And it doesn't even have to be like, that's what I love about your podcast and your account. It doesn't even have to be about like, oh, me helping myself like as a nine. It's like, how can I help Olivia? She's an eight. How can I help Olivia be an eight? I need a lot of help. Her in that. <laughs> and that's what eights think, but they don't. They're mm-hmm. so strong. And so anyways, so encouraged by that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it is interesting how when we learn the Enneagram, it, there is like this fine balance between how do I own what's mine and like support you while also not trying to like kind of bulldoze you down your own journey because if like, you know, when we know like our partner's type or we know a friend's type and we're like, I know what's available to you. I know what expansion looks like for you. I know what you can let go of and what you don't have to hold on to anymore. It's really hard not to just start poking at those like corners and just like ripping off like layers for them. But it is like their timing, their process, but we can, and we definitely get so much insight into how to support them through it better. Yeah, my therapist keeps telling me, he's like, you are not going to be able to drag your husband into therapy. <laughs> and even if you can, he's it's not going to be an authentic start. Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh, gosh. So he's like, so you yourself have to grow 
and hopefully he'll see your growth mm-hmm. and your strength and he'll want to join you in the journey. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's so hard. So when I was um, like listening to your podcast, I I was like convinced you're some sort of therapist or psychologist. And so do you have any sort of background in school or anything of that sort? No, I I mean, I, I coached for about five years in different areas, um, but no, not in therapy or I think that that's something in a different life I would have done. I'm just very obsessed with people and learning people and understanding them and helping them to know themselves. So that's kind of been in everything that I've ever done. I was a photographer for seven years. And even in that work, I was doing boudoir work, helping them people to like get to know their bodies and like their bodies and understand the messages they were receiving from society about what that meant. Even before we were doing their photo shoot, because I was really trying to just get to the people and and understand them and love them. Mm -hmm. Well, and I mean, even though you don't have a degree, Mm -hmm. I think you are a therapist in a way, you know, because I mean, the things that you were saying, like she was touching on like the like your compassion episode and you said something and I literally was like, do you live with me? Are you in my walls watching me? Because you said some people hold themselves to such a high standard that they naturally think other people do that too and almost feel offended when people aren't doing those same things or working as hard as them. I was literally Sarah Jane, like you don't even understand if my like life had a book title, it would be that. And I called my boyfriend this morning and I was like, good news. I'm not the only one because this was on a podcast. (laughs) I was like, also that is it's so true because like she said, I'm an eight. So even though that could be for all of the numbers or different aspects, it's like I have always felt like that, like the things that I hold myself to, if other people aren't doing it, I feel this way. And then I come across as judgmental. And then I spend my whole life going, guys, I'm really not judgmental. Like I'm really not. But I I come across as that. So that insight, it blew my mind. (laughs) Okay. I'm not to be that friend. But when I was listening to that, I'm like, I wonder if Olivia can relate to this really hard right now. I'm like, that's yes. very eight of her. That's for sure. <laughs> well, and now I feel judged. <laughs> well, I think that's like the funny, the fun thing about the Enneagram is that we are all judgmental. We just have different areas in which we've decided to put that attention. Like as a seven, Absolutely. I'm like judgmental when people are like negative or complain. I'm that I'm like, mm-hmm. I have to work on being like, oh, you're allowed to have a bad day. Like other, like my husband, I will try mm-hmm. to force him to love everything. And if he doesn't love it, and, and it's like almost worse when I don't like something. Like we bought a new espresso machine and it's awful. Well, no, it's not. Actually, it's great. But it was, it was <laughs> a rough start. We had a hard time getting it like dialed in. And I want him to love it so much. Like I, that I just ignored all of the problems and tried to force him into liking it and was just like judging him for complaining about it and not just being appreciative. And every, every number we have like our own ways, you know, that we, that focus of attention, it's like what we are limiting. And the truth is it's what we aren't allowing ourselves to be. I'm not letting myself be upset, disappointed in this thing. You know, you don't let yourself, you're really just tired probably. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. I I was going to say, I'd probably just call the manufacturer and be like, you give me a refund. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> but yeah, and what was interesting when you were talking about all of that is you said, um, like, who hurt us? You were like, who hurt you? And it was just like this open-ended question of like, for like when you were going into this idea of like, oh, eights feel like they have to take care of everyone around them and that's why they feel this way to be at a certain standard. Or like the other day, my boyfriend told me, he's like, you're a very critical person. And I didn't take that as a negative. I was like, actually, you're right. I really am. Like I, I demand perfection in a lot of areas of my life, but then I put that on myself. And so then that reflects on other people. So it's really... um yeah, it's just really interesting to hear that from someone else's perspective. But what advice would you give to somebody who maybe hasn't confronted that past hurt or maybe they don't even understand, um, I guess, how to be the better versions of themselves? Yeah, you know, I think that oftentimes with the Enneagram, what we're learning is what I thought I had to be my whole life and what is the standard that I'm holding everyone else to in this like over-functioning of what I'm holding myself to. So this thing that is so good about me, right? Like for eights, it's like, you're so strong. You're so powerful. You're so capable that when it over-functions is the very thing that's not serving you and your relationships, right? It's just, it's the same thing. And I think when we start to like, we can ask ourselves, where am I over-functioning? Where am I using the muscle in places where it doesn't belong? And how can I show myself that I'm safe and how can I nurture myself in such a way that I don't feel like I have to earn my, my place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think even coming off the back of that, which was really empowering for me about the Enneagram. And I think a lot of people is at first I was kind of judgmental about it. And I was like, don't put me in a box, you know, like I don't want to be here. Um, but what I've learned, I think just in my twenties is that, um, I'm not just like how to, I, I'm not telling myself anymore like how to be less of an eight. I'm more saying like, how am I like okay with that and happy with that? And how can I just be a better person and a better version of whatever that mm -hmm. is? And I think that's so cool about the Enneagram is it serves everybody. It's not just like, well, you need to be this way. It's like, no, figure out how you're healthy and unhealthy or critical of yourself and like work on those things. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's not about like changing your number. And, and a lot of times I think people, I, I want to like nail into people like you will be dealing with this. You're in relationship to this forever. So like, let's get really good with it. Let's get cozy with it because sometimes the first response, depending on our type specifically is like, I'm the wrong number. I'm a bad number. I need to like figure out how to become one of the better numbers. And the reality is no, we just need to learn how to first just accept that. Like the things that are really great about me also sometimes when they overfunction aren't serving me. So I can appreciate them because they're good things. And also I need to learn when they belong and when they don't. That's so good. I remember <clears throat> I've been literally every number under the sun. <laughs> and then I realized I'm a nine. And um, my own husband was telling me I'm not a nine. I'm like, you're actually not allowed to do that. And I tell her that too. And I'm not allowed to do that. <laughs> no, you're not allowed to do that. Because then I'll, I'll listen to things and I'm like, oh, wait, the what you were talking about, like even with your coffee machine, I'm like, that's literally how I would react to something that's so weird. But then you'll talk about a four and I'm like, oh, I would actually react that way too, but I would also react another way. Um, and so it was learning. Uh, I remember finding out I was a six and I'm like, oh no, I'm a four. Oh wait, no, I'm a two. 
oh no, I'm not any of those numbers actually. And I remembered not relating at all with a nine, like reading about it. And like, I'm so glad I'm not a nine. That was like the one number I felt that way about. And so when I found out I'm a nine, I'm like, but I know nines. I don't want to be a nine because I know what they look like. And I know people who like, um, what I didn't like is they don't have a voice. Like they are just whoever they are around. And I think what I had just come to realize is I wasn't comfortable enough, like with myself and had enough confidence in who I was. And I, I also was, I, I was forgetting about like wings and I have much more of a wing eight than a wing one. And so I do have a voice when I'm comfortable enough, but I am not always comfortable. And so what I realized is like, I I have to just settle into my number and be okay with that and then grow while I'm in it. And I think the beautiful thing with Enneagram is once you can say like, this is who I am, okay, we'll, we'll just deal with that little by little. And then you can put people around you who make you grow in your number. And so like being with her in eight, I, I'm like shocked how well our relationship is. And all that I've seen is like, I've like been going up the quote unquote ranks of my health levels because she lets me speak my mind. She makes me know my voice is heard. It's, it's so unbelievable, but we bounce off of each other and I'm like, give give them a little bit more grace. Like, (laughs) Hey, they're working on it. Or, Hey, some of us are less motivated than you and that's okay too. (laughs) It's not, but she says it is. Yeah. (laughs) Um, There's this really good marriage book called, I think it's called the the seven, the something about the seven, something of highly like of healthy marriages. I, it's not the title. I completely butchered it, but it's by John Gottman. (laughs) I do know the author, John Gottman. And in it, he talks about, you have to let each other influence one another. Like you have to be influenceable. And I think that that's kind of what you're describing. And I think nines are particularly gifted at this is like letting people influence you who you're around, but we all can learn from that, especially when we're thinking about the Enneagram. Like how can I, as someone in relationship to a nine or a four, how can I let them influence me? And, and how can I turn the things that rub me the wrong way into learning moments? Like my, my husband, he's a four fours are typically, they savor things. They take their time. They like to really enjoy and like notice things and everything's important. I'm at seven. I'm like fast moving, a lot of energy. I want to move on from thing to thing before I'm even done with the other thing. And so I watching him cook dinner makes me want to peel my skin off because he's like <laughs> yep. peeling the garlic. Like it's the most like precious thing in the world. <laughs> I, wish I would die. I, I it just like makes me feel crazy. But then the switch in that is when I'm cooking, I like channel him, you know, and I'm Mm. what would it be like to cook like Obi? And I'll like slow down and I'm like, oh, this actually like feels better. Like it, Mm, I I feel more relaxed. I enjoy my food more. I feel more connected to what we're making, what we're eating. And it's a better experience for me because it's like kind of the antidote to my over, over functioning personality. Mm. That's a really good reminder. My boyfriend's a seven and when we go pick out ice cream in the grocery aisle, 
I have never been around. It takes literally 20 minutes and he just doesn't understand. He's like, but what if I want this? And what if I want that? So he's not allowed to do that anymore. Um, (laughs) But that's a really good reminder to be like, it is okay that other people do things a little bit differently. Um, But but what advice would you give to people who are in relationships that are actually like, I love this person no matter what, but I'm having a seriously hard time dealing with some of the stuff that they're doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'm, you know, we talk in the podcast about the circle of control, which is essentially me. Like I'm in the circle of control. All that I control is like what's in it. And that is me. And that means I can control my reactions. I can control my requests. I can control my boundaries, my feelings, my thoughts about those feelings. Um, and it's really when we kind of put our arms out of the circle of control and try to start reaching into someone else's that things become a problem. Um, and that's really the difference of between a healthy boundary and a control mechanism is, is something coming into my space. Then I can set a boundary there. Like that's fully welcome. If it's their space, then I need to either keep my hand out of there or make a request. And they say, you know, specifically, Hey, can you come help me with this thing? Or can you show up for me in this way? And I like to say like, be as specific and detailed as possible in that. And to the moment, um, I think it's common for most people in relationships to say, you never help me with the dishes or you always do this. Or I can't remember the last time you blank, but maybe it's as simple as, Hey, it means a lot to me when you kiss me before you leave the house. And when you don't kiss me before you leave the house, this is the story I'm telling myself. Do you mind doing that? And if they forget, instead of writing a story, right, which is what we tend to do is we, we can control what we tell ourselves about the situation. So we can say, oh, they forgot. Or we can say, I'm unlovable. He never loved me. So we can, we are in control of that. And then we can make the request from there. So really focusing on where, what can I control? I'm going to go in hundred percent and I'm going to release the desire to, or release the, I'm, I'm releasing the illusion. Really. It's not even the desire. It's the illusion that I can actually make them do something different. Mm-hmm. It's so funny. Cause I was, I was listening to that episode that you were talking about this and <clears throat> that's when I was like, how do I love my, my, my three in all of his threeness. Um, and I was like, okay, well, there is only so much I can do. And these are actually things we've been facilitating. I've been working on, and it's funny because it's things I never even realized I was working on, but not saying never um, or always or like, why don't you do this anymore? But um, like uh, just keeping my mind focused on, I know his intention and I know that he does love me. He's just forgotten like how I need to be shown that love and he needs to be reminded of it. And it's hard when I feel like it's constant (laughs) and um, he's just like so hard work. He's a pastor and we started a church. And so his mind is constantly like, go, go, go. What else can I work on? And like thinking of work and I I just have to call him out sometimes. I'm like, hey, I think you're thinking about work. Is that true? Is there something I can do to help you out of that? Or um, are you familiar with like five gears by any chance? Mm -hmm. I think you'd be interested in that. So um, it's a book. I actually don't know authors. So um, it's a book about um, the five gears of functioning. And so gear five is your like 
high functioning, you're like work mode, you have your blinders on. One is like your absolute by yourself, chill, relaxing on your own. Three is like sociable, kind of working. And so like getting home, I think I might be butchering those a little bit. And so I have to remind him, I'm like, hey, did you go down your gears like properly on your way coming home? Or did you go from like five to three? Or like, did you cut yourself short? Did you not give yourself enough time today? And I think that's a really hard as a three to even let yourself go down the gears at all. Um, And so that's something that's like helped me so much. And I'm curious, like um, learning Enneagram have their you talk about boundaries and so um like what other things or functions do you think like really helped cultivate your Enneagram journey and things you've learned about Enneagram? Yeah. Um, you know, I think so much of my work before had been around time and and how we give our time away, how we <clears throat> excuse me, how we manage our energy levels and um how we're feeding what fulfills us and how we're kind of what things are taking from us, what things are giving back to us. And so the, it was kind of all centered around the entrepreneurial experience and how individuals interact with work and time. And from there, the Enneagram really just kind of deepened that work for me and added nuance and complexity. Because one of the things that I found tricky when I was doing that work specifically was that so often what we see in like the self-help industry is just this like one size fits all advice, like, and language of like, you should do this. You need to do this. Make sure you're doing this. And that I think is a seven and eights really don't respond well to that. Like being told like, this is how you're supposed to be. This is what you're supposed to do. It's like, oh no. Yeah. Don't ever do that. <laughs> and honestly, nines too, like nines don't like being told what to do either. Oh yeah. And it's mm-hmm. like that energy was just like really infuriating for me, but it's like, I want to do this work, but I cannot give one size fits all advice. Like I just don't have it in me to pretend like there's one way to be a person and one way to orient in the world. And so the Enneagram honestly added that complexity that I was already craving. And so it was kind of the thing that came in and added more depth and more, um, yeah, more complexity to, to that work. Okay, so I just wanted to pop in here really quick because for those that follow us on Instagram, I'm sure you've seen that we have released our first pieces of merch and we're so excited about them. Our Shake It Up sweatshirts are live and we are so excited about it. Um, We have been wanting to get merch for a really long time, but I never really knew how to get started. Um, I didn't really want to deal with the hassle of ordering like hundreds of sweatshirts without a guarantee of selling them all because because, you know, that's really daunting to do that. Um, but we really wanted a way to get our designs out there and have fun merch for you guys. So a really cool alternative for us has been to use Print Shop by Design Hill. Basically, you can take any of your designs and you just upload them directly to the print shop. Then you get to put your designs on sweatshirts, shirts, and hats, etc. in all different colors. And you just get to add your artwork right into them. Um, I was super surprised on how easy it was. I literally made the designs and then I just uploaded them and I could pick what I wanted them on. So, of course, we went with some hoodies, you know, maybe get them a size bigger, be really cozy. And they're just super, super cozy. I've been wearing mine all day. But like I said, it was super easy to make these um it literally took less than like 10 minutes once I had all the designs uploaded um 
And yeah, so this is what we did for our new podcast merch and our Shake Things Up sweatshirts. Of course, you can choose if you're feeling salty or feeling spicy and what color you like. In our feeling salty, you can get white or gray. And then the feeling spicy, you can get a charcoal or black. Of course, I pick black. You know that. Um, Again, the sweatshirts are so cozy and cute. And it would be so fun to see you all just be a part of our Shakers community. Like, how fun is that? So if you are an artist, content creator, or just want to start selling some of your designs, just head to print shop and get started again that's print shop by design hill and you can find all of our sweatshirts through the link in our bio on our instagram page Um, it really takes no time at all and it really is a hassle-free way to share your artwork with the world so again you can find our new merch through the link in our bio and head there now grab a sweatshirt and create your own designs and we would love to see what you guys create So one thing I think that kind of bothers me a little bit about Enneagram, maybe it's not Enneagram, but the way people react to it is this idea of falling back on their number as if they don't have to change from that. And so, you know, what I'm not honing in on a number, but let's say. <laughs> I think Sarah Jane knows exactly what yeah. you're talking about. She's like, I know yeah. people. <laughs> but even like, again, this is just a random number, but like a six, like, well, I could never do that because I just need safety. So I'm just not going to do it. And I'm like. Okay, but you're just you're falling back into fear and you need to step out of that or whatever any I mean, you could use that as an eight, a nine. But for me, it's like, yes, but you need to sometimes set that Enneagram aside for a second go as a human being. I need to be the best version of myself and conquer these fears and face these fears because that's what's going to help us grow. Um, So I would love to hear your thoughts on that and also advice for people that feel like they might be doing that. Yeah. Um, So I definitely know that that situation. And I think that there's a very big difference in accepting ourselves and, and, um, giving ourselves excuses. Right. So I don't want us to be like, I, there's something wrong with me. I need to fix this. I need to change this. I'm broken. And so I need to constantly be controlling and shrinking and fixing. That's not the goal. The goal is like, how can I be constantly nourishing and reassuring and pouring love back in? And when we think about the Enneagram in that way, it's more so like, okay, this six who maybe is doing this, I'm, I'm going to, we're going to use a, fig, a fictional six, this fictional six. It's like you learned somewhere along the way that you have to be prepared. You have to have support. You have to be secure in order to get your needs met in order to be okay. The work here is in really releasing the idea that you are worthy and you are lovable and you're going to be okay, even if those things are not in place. And so the growth journey is not about necessarily, um, rejecting our number or even living into our number, but it's really about realizing that our number is a limitation that we falsely placed on ourselves. So sometimes, you know, like I thought like being a seven is like being positive, being happy, moving on, being satisfied in my life. This is what got me to the point that I'm at now. And thank goodness, like I had that and I can thank what this did for me. And at this point, like it's time to recognize that it's no longer work. Like it's no longer the thing that I need to survive. It's actually sometimes the thing that's holding me back. So I can actually just release that expectation. Um, and I think this is a daily conversation we're having with ourselves. It's like an act of practice, but when we're over identifying with it, when we're making it a thing that kind of limits us, it's actually just giving you this like one little sliver of life 
when there's just so much more to experience, so much more to be that you are not your Enneagram number, right? Like you're this like whole being, this whole person with all of these different layers and complexities and experiences. And when we, when we over-identify with our number, we're actually limiting our access to love and good things and experiences and beauty in the world, because we're only letting ourselves be seen in this one tiny little pocket. Mm -hmm. Totally. And I mean, obviously as an eight, it is really hard for me because I just like want to stand on a soapbox and be like, there's life to live. What are you doing? You know, because when people don't do that, which obviously I have so many things I have to work on too. But when I see people limiting themselves as like a human, I'm like, you're going to regret this, like live your life to the fullest. But I totally understand too, that not everybody is the same. And it is that whole piece of the acceptance of other people and being like, well, they think the same about you. They think you're psycho. (laughs) So it's like, it's also accepting that, you know, conversation I had to have with myself about this particular thing is like, what's my relationship to this person? So am I in relationship to this person? Because otherwise, like, I don't really need to have an opinion about how they choose to behave or act unless they're doing harm. And then that's a different story. But if they're just living their life and I don't think they're doing it the best, then it's actually a waste of my time and energy to be focused on it versus if I'm in relationship to this person and I love them, can I come to them from a place of like, I want to give you the love that I'm not allowed to give you right now because of of how limited my access is to the truth of who you are, that's a completely different dynamic than like get your life together, just be a, you know, you need to fix this. That's so different than like, I really want to know you in your complexity. And I think that you're only allowing yourself this like one little part of, of things. And I, I want more for you than that. Mm-hmm. Holy moly. I just feel like you're She's going to pass out. <laughs> I feel like you're preaching from like a church pulpit, honestly, because <laughs> like in our faith, like we're both Christians. And I feel like so much of what you're saying reminds me of like how we view God and like how he wants to see us and how like we should view him. Like we're so much more than just like some like, oh, this is just how we function as a human. You know, like we're not like robots, like we're so complex and like we're all beautiful. And I feel like that's where we've come like in our generation. Like we live in a weird, scary, beautiful decade. And um, it's really cool because I think we're getting to a point where we're like, whoa, everyone is so beautiful. Everyone is so complex. And that's not only good, that's amazing like it's not just okay like everyone is different and that's good and that's acceptable and that's what we should strive to be not looking the same not being the same but being individually unique and like ourselves and I also think like you were kind of touching on even like health levels Mm -hmm. because I think a lot of people don't understand like their capabilities and that comes down to like how healthy they are like do you not believe in yourself because like you weren't really encouraged as a kid or um when we were talking about the nine it's crazy I was just telling you about like something that happened this weekend with my husband and I was like I feel we went on a group trip and I felt like I wasn't really um seen by him and that's where I'm like yep I'm a nine 
And I, I told him, I'm like, I just want you to like wink at me from across the room. Like, just notice me. I want to feel different from everyone else. I want to feel individual to you. Um, it's not that we have to spend all this crazy amount of quality time together, but if we went on a bike ride, that would have been cool. And it also goes into like, um, love languages, like, you know, how, how do you like feel loved and cared for in your love language too? And so it just goes all into like Enneagram is like such a good starting point, but there's complexities outside of it, which I think make it fun and unique. Yeah. And you know, when you, you talk about like thinking about where this comes from and thinking about nine and the, and the importance of being seen, like the childhood wound of nines is that it's better if you're not there. Like it's so like receiving that message, whether it was like placed on you or that's just how you interpreted things that's up for debate but you there's an in deep part of you that feels like you're not wanted around and it's better if you're not there and so that moment of being seen is so critical because you do like it's kind of reinforce it's either reinforcing or helping you to rework the pattern um of that you know, and it's the same thing when we give compliments, you know, like if I give you the compliment that just reinforces the thing you have to be, if I say like, oh, you're so strong, then it's like to a, to an eight, it's like, that's what I value in you. So better, you better stay that way. Or if I say to a nine, like, oh, you're so easy to talk to, or you're so, you listen so well. It's like, it means so much more to say I, which is true. Like those are beautiful things. And those are compliments that everyone needs to hear, but it means more to say, Hey, I feel really loved by you to an A. I feel really supported by you. Um, because it's, it's sharing the complexity of, of what's underneath them that maybe a lot of people don't get to see. And for nines, like, I really appreciate your wisdom and your insight and your feedback is more meaningful because it's like, that's what a lot of people aren't going to get to hear from you. It's so crazy because this is something I'm working on in therapy too, right now, which is like, like I've been finding confidence in myself. Okay, that's good. Like I see the value in me. I see my worth. So when I'm around people, I actually feel valued whether they show me that value or not. Like I've found that in myself. And then he was like, well, then you'll do little things when you feel like you're taking up space and you'll diminish yourself. And so he'll compliment me. He'll be like, that was really good of you to... um, I don't even know like something off the top of my head, but he'll, he'll just say like, wow, that was really good of you. And I'm like, yeah, uh, yeah, I guess like that was fine. Like I can do better. And he's like, well, why are you diminishing yourself? And I'm like, well, yeah, that's a good yesterday, point. Yesterday <laughs> I complimented you and told you you looked really pretty in a photo and you said, thank you. I appreciate that. And I noticed that I noticed that you did that. Yeah. So you're growing. Thanks. See, and I <laughs> and even the way that I say thanks, and that's always like how it is. Like I don't take full credit because I'm like, I, there's so much more I can do. She and said so it was the blanket that was reflecting on her face to make her look pretty. I gave you like three, I was, three, three I was reasons. It's like, not how okay. blankets work. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I I don't think so, but okay. Um, okay, so do you, you have children, right? Um, yeah, I have a stepson, but... Um, you have, uh, it was like, um, I think your thorn or your rosebud, I couldn't remember. I think it was your, th- I think it might've been both, but you were talking about, um, you do like positive, um, discipline and you were just like, I, like, we don't really know like what this is going to do to like the kids in the future. And I was like, wow, that's so crazy. 
Um, another thing I go to therapy for and I talk about because <laughs> I'm like, how do I not know I'm messing up my kids? So I'm curious for you, like how has Enneagram like helped you with your stepson and um, like in what ways do you like try to help like cultivate him mm-hmm. and like encourage him? Yeah. Well, he is just now, you know, he's nine years old. He's just not gotten old enough to where he's like identified for me what his type is. He used to say that he was a seven wing one and that's not a thing. Um, <laughs> but he, I just let him tell me like for his whole life, we started when he was like three talking about the Enneagram and now he like, he, he always told me who he was. I always just trusted. I just believed him no matter what, even if I didn't really think that was the case, but now he's identified, like, he's like, no, I'm a nine and I'm definitely a six when I'm stressed out. Like he has like full on called it. And, um, and so now that I understand that there's so many things that have changed. Um, one thing is that I'm an active, I'm a hyperactive person. Like I just like to do, do, do. And so I used to, when he would come over for like spring break, I would have like a schedule and I would be like, okay, at nine in the morning, we're going to meditate. And then at 10 AM, we're going to do science projects. And that stressed him out so much because he just wanted to like chill out and like feel relaxed and comfy and cozy and like not stressed. And so I was actually like doing the opposite of what he needed. And so now he's actually on spring break now. And we were just like, we bought him all the snacks he wanted. And we were just like, you just do what you want to do. Like just be yourself. And I'm in taking the judgment away from rest for him because he just oh, needs wow. to feel- I could cry. That's so beautiful. And good job. Thanks. Wow. That's actually really good. <laughs> thanks. Um, because I think for a long time we would, um, we would put the pressure on him because you know, I want him to be balanced, right? Like I want him to like, think about, um, his, his body and his mind and his soul and, you know, and, but he also just needs to know that he's okay and that he's all right as he is. And so knowing that he's a nine, I'm like, I want you to just play video games, have a good time, chill out. And then we'll, we'll integrate balance into your normal life. But like on vacation on Saturdays, like you get to just be the person that you are. Um, but also knowing that he's a nine, I have learned that he needs help feeling capable. So he needs help knowing where to start and how to get started on things. And so when he's learning a new skill or he's learning a new task until it becomes a habit, I, I really guide him and I hang out with him and I, I participate. And I actually learned to do that from helping people in the business world who are nines who would say like, I need good training. If you train me well, I will do this job incredibly, but I just need really detailed, really specific training. And that's kind of how I interact with our kid is like, okay, I I want you to take the trash out. We're going to do it together three or four times. And then when you feel confident, I will let you, I won't, I won't jump you right into it versus like a three, a seven or eight. I'll be like, okay, you can take the trash out, figure it out. It's just a completely Mm -hmm. different dynamic. Oh yeah. Hold my hand and then just like leave me alone once I figure it out because I can, I can actually do it better than you after that. Yeah. Like don't micromanage, (laughs) but like train well. Yes. Oh my gosh. Wow. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. I need to encourage you. You're doing a great job. Just that alone. Wow. Mm -hmm. Don't don't worry about how he's going to turn out. He'll be great. <laughs> Would you branching into because I don't have kids, but mm-hmm. like branching into a relationship, mm-hmm. it's kind of the same. Um, <laughs> but so one thing and we were kind of talking about it before it. So I've been with him for eight years. And so it's a long time, you know, and 
I have been kind of trying to navigate even recently, like, um, you know, we're not married or living together. So then I'm like, well, where does my responsibility start? Because it, it doesn't really like it's not my responsibility, but like when is too much and when is not enough? And so it's like lately I've just been like, put me down as your emergency contact. I'm going to schedule your doctor's appointments. I'm going to fill this out. I'm going to apply for this for you. And I'm actually fine with doing that. And then I take that on to me and I'm like writhing. Like, how can you not be organized? And I get so mad that then I go, well, I'm just going to do it. But from like your perspective, when like I am so happy to do that stuff for him, but when is it too much or is it ever too much? And when should I let him kind of take the reins on that stuff? Yeah. You know, I think you described it pretty well. I think it's too much when it's no longer joyful for you. If it's a, if it's a joy to do then, and if you can say like, how do I, why does, do I, do I want to do this? And you feel good about that answer. Um, I think that's, I think that's the deal. I think a lot of times eights and then twos, um, especially kind of have to pay attention to where, where am I giving where it's not being asked and where am I giving? Because I think they need this from me, even if they haven't, I'm not letting them do things for themselves that maybe they need to do for themselves. It's an important question, but if you feel really good about the answer, um, for twos, the, the question that they are going to have to ask is, am I doing this because I want a thank you? Am I doing this because I want them to love me more? Am I doing this because I think they'll leave if I don't for AIDS? It's more like, am I doing this because I don't, I'm not, am I not letting them be capable on their own or am I taking care if I'm kind of kind of mama birding them a little bit, like taking over for them. Um, but I will say that I will just say for myself, like my husband, he has ADHD, And so I, I sit with him every single week and we work through his, everything he has to do that week. He's in school. And that is an absolute pleasure and joy for me because a non-stressed out husband means that I get to have a better week. Right. And so like in that way I can, I stand behind that decision, but there are other things that are like big over sacrifices and we know them based on how they're in, how they're sitting in our body, how they make us feel, um, if we're resenting them for it, then like it's probably not the the place to feed in. Yeah. No, that's really good. I think I think I do feel good about doing it. So I'm glad I asked yeah. that. But also the idea of sitting down and going through instead mm-hmm. of just being always like hounding him, like you need to get organized. It's like, well, maybe you actually just need a little bit of help. And like, because I love you, I'm going to do that for you. And I think that there are things, you know, like for I'll say for me with a four husband, I support him in these tangible things. He supports me in my ability to fill. Like he's one of the only people who I cry in front of, who I've like broken down. I've like screamed at him. I've like, I threw a candlestick one time, which is like, so I've never expressed these kind of emotions to anyone in my life, but him being able to like, see that dark, like that, like hard part of me and just be like, you're feeling a lot. It seems like you're feeling a lot. And like that supports me in ways that like I cannot support myself and I'm offering him that same thing when I like sit down with him and help him with logistics. And I think that that's where it's like, as an eight, I imagine an eight, seven combo, like he helps you to be more playful and, you know, and like relax and eights can like really ignore their bodies and they're, they can get really intent, like serious about things. Um, and sevens can really lighten, lighten the room. I'm not saying that that's what your relationship is, but 
Oh, no, no. That's that's good. I, I think the more I think about it, though, I I think he might be a wing eight stronger because we'll like watch movies and he's stressed out that because he wants to work. And so the seven for him, sometimes I'm like, I don't know what you are because you're I, I don't know. Like sometimes I'm very confused about him. Um, but regardless of all of that, yes, it, it is a very unique combination and what? fun. <clears throat> what has been your experience, um, especially being a seven and then like getting really angry and your spouse seeing that and um, has that been like scary for you? Like, oh, I actually like have anger. <laughs> <laughs> this is an actual emotion or like literally anything else. Yeah, how, like, how has that been for you? Um, I, I think like as a seven, I haven't experienced much shame in my life. I will say like I am just like pretty good with myself. I feel like I like me. You should like me. We're good. Like I assume. (laughs) (laughs) I need that. (laughs) But then in the, in this like anger, the sadness, like I, I lost my dad this past year. Um, and it was like really intense. It's okay. Like he and I weren't very close, but like, it was kind of like a grieving of what I wish he'd been, you know, my whole life. And so it just like broke me open in ways that I hadn't experienced. So just like full on crumbling, you know, having a large platform is really vulnerable and really hard in a lot of ways. And, um, so those, that, and then just sticking through hard things with another human person is hard, you know, marriage is like hard. And in that, um, that's where my shame has creeped in where it's like, oh, I'm only, I thought I was likable because as long as I'm I'm like fun to be around, I'm happy. I make other people feel good. And if I make other people feel good, then they're going to feel good. They're going to like me. And so I don't have to worry about it, but then, okay. Like I'm angry. I'm expressing really intense emotions. I'm deeply, deeply sad. Why is this person here? Because like, I don't want to be around me in those moments. So like, why does he want to be around me? Um, and so that, yeah, that's been one of the most challenging emotional landscapes for me to be in. However, it's also been one of the most healing because to have him say like, it's okay that you you had that intense experience. And like, he has intense experiences all the time because he's a four. So he's just like, every day is like, he just expresses every emotion as he feels it. And he doesn't feel shame about having emotion. And so him just being like, yeah. Oh yeah. It makes sense that you're sad. These things are real. I I can sit with you through that, um, has helped me to kind of change the way I speak to myself in those moments. For sure. Mm, That's so good. Um, I, I kind of want to touch on confidence Mm -hmm. as we kind of like end here, because you said one thing that was, I've never even thought of before. Mm -hmm. And it's the whole thing of the five people you spend the most time with is kind of how you're going to be. And you were like, in this day and age, you might not even know those five people. And I was like, I've never thought of that. That is so true. Um, And you said, you know, you've been a photographer in the past and you encourage people and, you know, you might unfollow people that aren't really serving you or making you feel the best. So for you and maybe even not even about Enneagram, just as a person, like what advice would you give to somebody? Because because you said um, confidence must it's the world telling you that you're not okay just the way that you are so people that aren't confident are feeling that I think we all have doubts we all have insecurities no matter who you are in the world Mm -hmm. Um, but what advice would you give to people maybe they're not confident in their number or their personality or how they look in this age of social media and just like constantly comparing yourself all the time yeah I you know I think it is about 
I mean, I think first of all, I want to say like, pay attention to the people that you love. Um, you know, if you're feeling insecure about things in yourself, notice how you, how you see them. And are you paying that close of attention to the things that you're noticing in yourself in them? You know, like if, if it's a body thing, if, if it's a, I have a stretch mark on my arm and I'm obsessed with it. Have I ever noticed the stretch mark on someone else's arm? and really had a feeling about that or cared. And if I have, where did I learn that that was a problem? Where did I learn that this is something to be concerned about? Because stretch marks in and of themselves are just a thing. They just exist on bodies. They exist on almost every body eventually at some point, if not already. And it's just kind of like the way skin looks. And actually, if I look at it long enough, it's pretty interesting and kind of beautiful. But when I think of it through the lens of how I've learned to look at it. It sends a message. It tells a story. Um, so how can I, first of all, pay attention to how I'm noticing other people and, and how I would see them with the thing that I'm insecure about and how can I pour that back onto myself and just allow it to be okay. Um, but then secondly, a lot of things, um, that we think are bad. If we look at the other side of it, it brings a lot of good in, you know, if I have, um, you know, as a, I think type ones tend to have the hardest time with the Enneagram. Like they think that they get the worst number. There's something wrong with them. They're kind of predisposed to judge themselves. And so if you, as it say type ones, it's like you look at the thing and you think there's something wrong with you. Well, what is the good that this is bringing into your life? How is this contributing positively to you? And how can we hold them together and not feel like you have to completely eliminate your shadow or completely eliminate the things that are difficult about you in order to be worthy of love? Because you're not forcing anyone else to do that. Um, and if we are forcing other people to do that, like there's something deeper that we can explore there. But most, most of the time we're allowing other people to be flawed. And in fact, we're not analyzing them flaws. So in, they're involved so intensely we reject them because humans are just, we're just this beautiful amalgamation of good and bad and difficult and in between. And, and everything that is good about us and everything that is hard about us is part of what makes us interesting and beautiful. And, and adding the stories and the judgments to that is really just something that our parent, like we learned from parents or media. And if we can analyze, where did this come from? Where did I learn to worry about this? We can start to recognize it was never ours to carry. And in fact, and I don't want to ramble too long, but like, in, I did. Oh, please keep going. <laughs> I did um, a self-portrait series back when I was a photographer called the Insecurity Series, where I photographed all of my like bodily insecurities. And I kind of enhanced them or exaggerated them. And then I, at the end, I really explored where did I learn to worry about these things? And every single one I learned from another person, whether that was like a thing they were insecure about, whether it was a thing they said about someone else and I overheard, whether it was something that I saw on the internet that you're supposed to be concerned about, but like, I wasn't worried about it, right? This wasn't mine. I bought it from someone or I borrowed it for someone else who they borrowed it from someone else and who eventually the source probably was someone who's trying to sell us something. And mm. at the end of the day, like, this was never mine. This was always corporate America's. <laughs> like this was Gosh. never mine to carry. 
That's so true. The story of my life covering up my freckles for like 10 years because nobody in the media had freckles. And now everyone's putting them on with an Instagram filter and it triggers me. But um, <laughs> but it's so true. I mean, it's crazy. Sometimes it's wild to me the things that people will say that think it's okay. Like I get compared to the Adams family all the time. And to them, they probably don't think that's a big deal. But to me, it deeply impacts the way that I see myself. And it's like, I think it's just a good reminder to everybody. Like... People will say things, but that doesn't mean that that is the truth. If you weren't concerned about it before, don't be concerned about it now. Um, I mean, that's so much easier said than done, though, for sure. And even like like being compared, her name's Wednesday. Wednesday, yeah. Even being compared to Wednesday, like, is that triggering for you because society says that is ugly? Or is that triggering for you because you don't like how she looks? Because like yeah. even me thinking that like okay, sure, I, I look at Wednesday. I'm like, it's not like she's ugly. Like, I don't even think that's right, ugly. Same. And so They're it's just, just Halloween characters. So Oh, I guess that makes know. sense. Yeah, or yeah. like the grudge I've been told. So like between those both, Gosh. I'm like, am I a right. horror? Like, am I a horror movie character? Is that what I look mm. like to people? So, wow, yeah. yeah. And so it's so interesting to like hear how other people have been impacted by something. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait, what, what do you mean you think that's ugly? Yeah, I think mm-hmm. that is an interesting thing too to explore what is the message this is sending me. Like if I'm receiving this poorly, because I think you said, like what you said, like I received that as a neutral comment, which mm-hmm. I will say like I religiously do not comment on people's appearance. Like I neutral, positive, like sometimes positively, like, but oftentimes positively, I would say, but never neutral or ambiguous or negative because I never know the story they're telling themselves about what I'm saying. That's so good. And I think, yeah. but when, when I receive like sometime, one time some girl was like, you look, oh, you're just like a cupcake today. And that I, I like never spoke to that person again. Cause I'm a seven. That's me doing the <laughs> excuse thing, <laughs> but like, um, <laughs> I like, but it really impact, it hit me so hard. And it's because, um, and it's like, if I get into that, like, let's get underneath that. The story I'm telling myself is that she doesn't take me seriously, which is a big trigger for sevens because we are playful. We're light. And it's really important that people, because we're head types, like we're intellectuals, um, we're highly stimulated intellectually and have a lot to share. So if people see me as like this, like light, And I also had like a lot of issues with like rejecting my femininity and like rejecting women and being scared of women, like growing up. And I've had to like really unlearn and process and undo my own patriarchal training and (laughs) all of the fun stuff. So if I receive, when I hear you're a cupcake, I hear you're a little girl and I don't take you seriously. And I don't think you're smart. All of that's my stuff, right? Like she's just calling me a cup. She just thought my dress was like pink and shaped a certain way. Um, So yeah, we can explore like, what's the story I'm telling myself and where did I learn the story and what is, how can I speak a different story back in? Mm -hmm. That's really good. I think that you just helped unlock a self-realization with that femininity Mm -hmm. stuff because I'm the same. I'm always telling Olivia like, no, I'm not going to wear that. I dress like a boy. Mm -hmm. And so that's a completely different story. Maybe we'll get into that another time. Um, So that's really fascinating. But it is interesting when you were, you were saying, um, I was actually telling Olivia, I wanted to do a similar series like that, mm-hmm. like the things that we ourselves are insecure about. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, and it's funny because I'm like, wait, literally everything I'm insecure about is only because 
society or someone has said it's not okay. Like my nose, for instance. I remember one of my friends got a nose job. Wow. And I'm like, wait, my nose doesn't look too different from yours. And so it's not wrong that she was getting a nose job. But then I was like um, having to check in with myself mm-hmm. and having to think like, is am I okay with myself? Mm-hmm. And then I had to be like, you know, I actually like my nose and I really don't mind my nose and that's okay. And it's also okay that she got a nose job because she had her own reasons for it. And so just having to, um, I think that is so important. Like, why do I not like this part of myself? And are they right? Most of the time, all of the time, they're not right. It's just their own insecurities or even their own traumas probably. Yeah, yeah. and it is like, um, at the end of the day, like who's profiting off of that belief in me? Mm-hmm. And it's probably not me. It's not. <laughs> yeah. Dang, that's so good. Um, okay, so as we wrap up, we like to ask all of our guests um, what their silver lining is. So just something good that came from something bad or challenging, and it can be in any time frame of your mm-hmm. life. Um, is there anything that comes to mind? Um, yeah, honestly, I think probably everyone is saying this, that COVID is the one. Maybe, maybe not. Um, so, sometimes. So I will say two, I'll say two things. 2020 um, for me involved I, I was high risk with COVID. So I was like full on lockdown. Um, and then I lost my dad and in those experiences, COVID like slowed me down in a way that I have never been in my life. Like I've always been the kind of person who I would like wake up at six, I would leave my house at seven. I would come home at like 11 o'clock and go to sleep and hardly ever even eat meals at home. I was like, out, out, out. COVID was like the, you know, it's like all of a sudden we're not leaving the house. I haven't, really left that. I have an office that's alone that I go to now, but I have not left my house in like a year and Mm. my life has slowed down so much. And I actually feel relaxed for maybe the first time in my life. And I feel like it's just different. I'm like very nervous about going back to the way things were because Mm -hmm. it feels so good in that way. Um, in the other way, you know, I will say I have a lot of lung things going on in the last for like two years that so we are undiagnosed. We don't know what's going on. That's been really challenging. And then losing my father, um, just like the grief of that and having to just like jump into the deep waters of, of negative emotion and dealing with all of the pain that I've ignored from my life kind of all at one time. Um, those were really hard, but they've changed me in such irrevocable ways that have I'm more in tune with who I am I'm more in tune with where I've come from and I think it's informed decisions in my life that have probably lasting impact you know like what kind of books I want to write what kind of person I want to be what kind of parent I want to be um that I couldn't have learned those lessons without the pain of it Mm -hmm. wow that's so good that's yeah that's there really is a silver lining in everything Mm -hmm, we've learned that with every person we talk to so that's really that's Mm -hmm. really beautiful um well tell everybody where they can find you and your book and all of your awesome things yeah um come hang out with me on the internet my instagram handle is 
Sarah Jane Case now. I changed it over. Um, and then I am doing this poetry project right now for writing a poem every day for 365 days over at Sarah Jane Case Writes on Instagram as well. And I have YouTube, which is Sarah Jane Case. And the book is The Honest Enneagram, which you can find at thehonestenneagram.com. And the podcast is Enneagram and Coffee. Awesome. And I'll link everything below in the show notes. Thank you so much. This was actually so insightful and so fun. Yeah, it was such a good interview. Thank you guys so much for having me. Yes, of course. All right, Shakers, thank you so much for listening. Obviously, we had so much fun with Sarah Jane. I mean, you guys know we talk about Enneagram all the time. So this was just such a fun way to pick her brain. Um, And she's just so knowledgeable, wise, and well-spoken. And it was just so great to hear her perspective on things. Um, Like I said, you can follow her. You can just go down to the show notes below. Um, But she is Sarah Jane Case on Instagram. And her podcast is Enneagram and Coffee. Again, scroll below. You have to check it out. Um, If you're a fan of Enneagram, do it. If you're not, it'll help you get into it. So yeah, we really, really enjoyed our interview today. Um, And if you haven't yet, if you could just subscribe, rate, and review. I know we say this every week, but really taking less than a minute to do that. I, I know because we have more listeners than we do reviews. So if you haven't yet, if you could just take less than a minute to do that, it means so much to us. It helps us get amazing guests like Sarah Jane on the podcast. Um, you can follow us at the Salt and Pepper Podcast on Instagram and personally at Olivia Corinne and at It's Lisa Brosser. You can um, also join our Facebook group, the Salt and Pepper Podcast Insiders. And again, scroll below and everything is linked for you in the show notes. So I think that's it. Thank you so much. And we will shake it up with you next Tuesday. Thanks for listening. Tune in every Tuesday on the saltandpepperpodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Be sure to subscribe and please rate and review. Follow us on Instagram at the Salt and Pepper Podcast. Make sure to like and follow our Facebook page and email us for any questions, comments, or ideas about what you want to hear on the show. We will see you next Tuesday. I'm all shook up.